Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Cincinnati give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? Um, we're one and two. We're one and two. We got a bunch of fighters in that room, and um, and give up. That's not a part of this football program. Get out of here, man. Uh, what a great audio clip. One of my all-time favorites. And was that to the um, uh, the folks out there worried about getting commitments and uh, no, that, securing one over the weekend? That was just a random feel random? on Monday. We haven't heard from feel in a while, so <laughs> thought that we probably needed to check in. Yes. Uh, which Love it. I, uh, there, there's some national scuttlebutt going on right now with what's going on across the country, and I don't know if feel wrote this or not, but there's a story where – Boy, uh, South Carolina really likes what they've seen this spring from uh, Spencer Rattler. Internal buzz at South Carolina grows for Spencer Rattler was the uh, headline. Huh? How about that? Um, I think, you know, obviously coming from simpler systems, I mean, it's just the way that they operate is different and going to a uh, air quotes pro style offense with uh, the way that they call plays and make adjustments and read hots and quarterback changing protection and stuff like that, I I can imagine there's a bit more of a learning curve. I mean, most of the most of the stuff we see across the country, you know, a large percentage of it is, oh gosh, I don't know if you call it error rate, what exactly you would call it, but they're all very similar in where they get everything called in from the sideline. All right, and it's all signaled in. All eleven players receive the signal at the same time, or, or most of them do, and off you go. Very little is put on the quarterback aside from where he's going to hand the football, where he's going to throw the football. Uh, their system there is quite a bit different, so I imagine there's quite a, quite a learning curve there. And hey, we've all known that it just looks different coming out of Spencer Rattler's hand. <laughs> and if you can get him to where he's just delivering the football um, in the passing game to playmakers, he'd be pretty dang good. Well, I guess it also looks different coming out of Jaden Rashada's hands out there at Arizona State, which I don't know uh, how good the quarterback play's been out there recently, so it may not take much. But that's another national little nugget there is the true freshman has looked so uh, good so far at Arizona State. And a nugget that I picked up on myself today, or picked up myself today, I'm writing a story um, on the BYU uh, radio analyst, and okay. I quote, long way to go, bro, <laughs> said this guy to me earlier today about the BYU Cougars, which had me thinking, geez, what is it about uh, radio uh, analyst broadcasters going out to spring practice and not having a great opinion on what's going on? I'm kidding a little bit there. Don't get mad at me. Well, but uh, this guy was like, eh, we'll, we'll see about BYU. Well, there is a long way to go. There's a lot of practices. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of maturity that needs to take place. And here's the beauty of it, Tyler. 
you can go a long way from April to September, all right? So just calling it how it is. This guy uh, seemed to be very optimistic about OU this season. He thinks OU is going to be really good. Now, he didn't really uh, give out a ton of reasons as to why he thinks they're going to be really good, but he sounded pretty confident. He's like, yeah. OU is going to be real tough this year. And I didn't even ask him. Like, he just brought it up on his own. Like, okay. Uh, hey, I will, as of right now, I will take the BYU color guys' word for it on OU. Because um, with me, I'm grading it yet to be determined. So. Cautiously, are you, are you even cautiously optimistic then? Uh, yeah, I believe the future's bright, Tyler. Okay, good to hear. <laughs> he was also very surprised when I said, uh, hey, there's a lot of OU fans excited to go to the game at BYU in November. What? He was surprised? He was this place very, He was very surprised by that. I said, yeah, I think, uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if this is how everyone feels, but outside of the OU-Texas game, that's probably the game that, most people are looking forward to next year is that road trip to Provo. I love that he's like, why in the hell would anyone want to come I know, to Provo, I'm Utah? rethinking my trip out there to November <laughs> now after the way that he reacted to that. Like, wait a minute, so this is not a cool place? Like, the the, the mountains are fake? Huh? What's, what's going on here? Now, I understand his thought process. It's just a different thing verbalizing it, right? I feel all the time, why would anyone want to come here uh, to watch anything? But, you know, it's just how it is. Maybe he just thought but didn't say it. I'm surprised those drunken rednecks would come to a place where there's not a whole lot of beer. Yeah, well, uh, as long as uh, transporting alcohol across state lines is not illegal, then um, I think Oklahoma fans are still going to head that way. Maybe it is. What do you think the uh, scuttlebutt nationally is on OU right now? For people that are, I want to see what's going on at at, at OU. Has the big storyline been how many players they've had injured? How good Jackson Arnold has looked up to this point? I guess I'd be interested in what the big storyline would be outside of the state. That's a good question. Um, I would guess the big storyline is people probably expect a large jump in um, just execution offensively and defensively as uh, it's year two in, in both those systems. I think that's probably the case. I think that um, I think Dylan Gabriel is still viewed pretty highly in, in most circles. I think um, for those that were paying attention, probably saw that we have plenty of explosiveness whenever it comes to what's going to be in our backfield. Um, I think people probably feel like like if you just go by the the numbers recruiting-wise, wide receiver should be a position where we can reload. Um, I think people have probably noticed how well we've recruited on the defensive side, and although – I don't expect many of those guys to to play, um, at least as we stand today. I don't expect many of those guys to play a significant role, especially early in the year. That typically escapes most people, and they say, hey, you've recruited well defensively. The last two years, that means you should have 
uh, better talent out there on the field. And I do think that we've upgraded uh, in in certain spots out there on the field, but I think I that so. typically is something that people carry forward, right? Yeah, I just a, a big storyline here locally is year two. Year two. Year two is a lot easier for the coaches. Year two is a lot easier for the players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Year two, year two, year two. I mean, it's just been yeah. such a major storyline. But you've actually been one of the few that have actually been able to go out to practice and see it. Like, of course we're buying that that is a positive step towards this program, but how much should we really take into account how much year two is going to look different this time around as opposed to last year? Is it as big of a deal as we're making it out to be? What do you mean? Are like, I think the reason it's as big of a deal as it is is because we were six and seven, Right? And it's like you got the um, we got you got the your first pass. Now it's year two. Right, we'll we'll let you we'll let you off the hook as far as all the transition that took place, and uh, you know with, with schemes, with players, with all of the above, with scheduling. Uh, I'm talking internal scheduling, just how you have your your practices and all that stuff. People are willing to give you some time on that, but you know, by the time we kick this thing off in September, no one wants to. Yeah, I think we just lost Teddy at Newcastle Casino. I'm more referring to like year two of, yeah, they're more comfortable in the system on defense, more comfortable in the system offensively. Like it's it just, it's something that we've made a big deal about this year. And look, I, I think that that is a very positive thing going into year two. Right, they've been able to focus more maybe on the system this spring or really more development this spring, I should say, than more so learning the system. So that that's kind of what I mean is we, we talk so much about just that, like, oh, this is way more of a developmental spring than it was last spring, and the same thing will be true in training camp because it's year two in the system and people are, are more familiar about it. I'm just trying to figure out if that storyline is is as legit as I see it everywhere. Because I do see it everywhere. Is year two yeah. in the familiarity of the system, as, as, I mean, that big of a deal? And it, it's, a de- it's a big deal, I understand, but as big, as big as we're making it. It's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, I'm, I'm willing, although uh, pretty reluctantly, willing to look at some mistakes from a year ago and say, well, it's year one in the system. And, you know, you got to have some time. I'm willing to do that. But I'm not really willing to do that in year two. There's some things that not all mistakes are equal, right? Because you're, there's going to be mistakes if they're five years into this and they've got a top five defense for two or three years in a row. There's still going to be mistakes in every game. Honestly, there's still going to be a lot of mistakes in every game, but the mistakes are different, right? Um, maybe lining up in a, a spot where you're a, a half a foot in the wrong area or – um, like who knows what it may be. Like some mistakes are, are much smaller than 
like getting the wrong call and allowing a wide receiver to run untouched all the way down the field for an 80-yard touchdown or, you know, not playing the quarterback whenever you're supposed to have the quarterback on a play or whatever it may be. Like, there's there's small mistakes and there's big mistakes. And I you, you cannot continue to have big, game-changing mistakes at the rate we had a year ago. Some of those were, you know, offensive offensive and defensive scheme mental lapses and some of those were um just execution issues let me give you an example and they lost 48 nothing in the game last year so this single play didn't you know have a huge impact but it's just one thing remember like it was somewhat early in the game, OU's punting, and it looks like they're going to have a guy down there to down the ball at like the one or the two-yard line, but right. it slips right through his hands and it goes in the end zone for a touchback. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that those are the types of things that we're talking about there. Maybe not yeah. that ex- ex- exact example, but kind of on those same lines. Yeah. Well, you know, that is – that's a much more difficult play than it looks in the stands and on TV – but it still should be executed. They practice it nonstop, uh, and and that's a frustration point for me. Like the bigger mistake for me is instead of that, whenever you're, you're asking a punter to put it down there, you're asking a a a gunner on the outside to beat someone, get down there, make a play on a bouncing ball. I that's different than the punter just booting the ball through the back of the end zone. You know, like. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Illegal uh, pick plays on the inside the 10-yard line that get a penalty called back. Guys on defense, their numbers called on a blitz in a crucial moment in a game, like a fourth down must convert in a game, and we just don't get the call. Like that's the tough. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Uh, let's roll through a few texts here before we hit a break. Historically, BV's defense makes a jump in year two. That's true. What What did it take him? Did it take him three years at Clemson to have like a top five defense, top ten, whatever it was? Checking to have his first elite defense. I thought it was year three at Clemson. Yeah. See, twelve was his first year there, right? Correct. So. Uh, 14 would have been his third year. And I think, was that the year they played in the, was it the Orange? No, or 15 was the Orange. 14 was, I mean, they they they, they, they didn't play, they played OU in the uh, Russell Athletic Bowl, but Deshaun uh, Watson got hurt earlier that year. Uh, scoring D, they were number, they were the number six team in the country, six yeah, or yeah. seven scoring D. And yeah, I think the year three is when they made that really big jump. They were number one in total defense in nice. 2014. Greg from Lawton says, what's old boy going to say when BYU Stadium has more OU fans than BYU fans? Not sure of their attendance, but, you know, OU fans roll heavy to away games. It's like 63,000. Um, that He's would be, gonna, that would be impressive, this, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I bet he says the same thing he said when you interview, interviewed him. Why in the world did this many people come to this game in <laughs> Probably. Provo, Utah? It is going to be the biggest BYU home game in quite some time, so I would expect yeah. them not to just, you know, readily give up ticket. their tickets. Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it will be a tough ticket out there, most likely. I, I mean, a, a lot of it kind of depends on – what we are and what they are. There's plenty of time for us uh, 
to convince our fans that we're not worth traveling anywhere to see by uh, the end of November. And same thing for BYU. Um, you know, yeah, Oklahoma's coming to town, but if Oklahoma's undefeated and BYU's like got three or four wins on the year, <laughs> people may, if they have an opportunity to sell the ticket, they may just take it. Yeah, I I, mean, I kind of think that the scenery is a big reason why That's a lot true. of people are going to go. You know, and That's true. I don't, th- I don't think the scenery is going to be four and five when you go out there. At least I don't think. No. No, it so should be beautiful. That, that's, it should still look the same as it does preseason. Uh, so, Teddy went. Like, yeah, you, you should have said to him, have you ever seen how flat it is here? Yeah, no kidding. That's why they want to go out there. Yeah, you, you, ever seen See a game in, contour. you ever seen a game in Lubbock or Ames or Stillwater or anywhere else in this conference? The Provo is <laughs> going to be a little different out there, I would say. Uh, one more. So, Teddy went from OU will win a natty in BV's first three years to cautiously optimistic in year two. That's a disappointment. What's the disappointment? That you had the claim OU's going to win a title in three years, and here we are yeah. year two, and year two you're not just saying, oh, they're close, they're, they're right there. It's like oh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, so are you – but I'm asking, is the texter disappointed in me? Are they disappointed in the original claim? Are they disappointed in the football team? Are they – just disappointed in general. Yes, yeah, all, all of those combined. I, I'm wondering what's disappointing about it. I, I still believe that year three is going to be a really good year for him. I think Jackson Arnold, is, as long as he develops, I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's got physical traits and abilities that Dylan Gabriel doesn't have. That's just you know that's a fact. Dylan Gabriel has some limitations, although he is a really good quarterback, I think we have a chance to have one of the best in the country uh, in year three. I also feel like we're going to continue to recruit well and have those guys start to work their way into meaningful positions, and we'll have more experienced guys out there. So I'm still still very, very bullish on year three. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on here from Newcastle Casino. Stay tuned. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. Your Buick Quest begins here at Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in Oreno. Get up to $3,800 off on a new 2023 Buick Envision. Must own a 2009 or newer non-General Motors car, truck, or SUV. It's all new, and it's all about you at Dorsey Jones in Oreno. We're stocked up on new 2023 Buick. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, interact with the show on the text line, 405-651-3439. Big OU football news over the weekend. OU gets a four-star quarterback commit, Michael Hawkins, Jr., He's an OU legacy because his dad, Michael Hawkins, played at OU in 2002. Now, he had an interesting path to the NFL that we can talk about a little bit later, but it kind of sparks an interesting question. Um, This will be a father-son duo at OU that maybe we can include in a few years. But as it sits right now, who is the greatest father-son duo in OU football history? So I'm going to give you, you know, seven or eight father-son duos. Text line, interact with this question as well. Here, here's some that you can uh, that you can think over. Scott and Jordan Evans. That's the only father-son duo to serve okay. as captains, by the way. Kent and Sam Bradford. Derek and Sterling Shepard. Jim and Seth Luttrell. 
might have the most national championships between that father-son duo. Jason and Gavin Freeman, Danny and Mark Bradley, and if you want to count this one, Drake and Bob Stoops. Right. Um, well, it's hard to know. Like, what exactly is the is the criteria here? Um, Whatever you want it to be. You could judge national championships heavier than anything. If that's the case, then the Trails got a pretty good case there. Yeah. The, beat. The, the Trails have three national championships uh, between the two of them, I believe. Um, <sighs> I mean, your answer could be different depending on what you really want to value. If you want to value, like, the leadership aspect, Scott and Jordan Evans are probably your duo. You want to yeah. value championships? We just said Latrell. Like, if you just want to evaluate overall players, how good of players they were, it'd be tough not to say Derek and Sterling Shepard. That's a really good, really good duo. I don't know much about Sam Bradford's dad's tenure at the University of Oklahoma because I would say if one of you was a Heisman Trophy winner. I, that carries a lot of yeah. weight. Does it matter what the other one did? <laughs> yeah. The right answer. I, the, the other can, like, if you were there and accounted for, then maybe you win the best duo. So I, I, I don't know. Like, if he was a starter, then that's probably where you have to go. Um, he had a journey, man. He started as a tight end. Yeah. Uh, He's a big dude. Made now. his way to defensive line, and it looks like he finished his career on the offensive line. So, in his four-year career from 75 to 78, uh, which he'll have, a, he'll have a championship ring from 75, started at tight end, then to D-line, then to offensive tackle. Yeah. Um, now, Derek and Sterling Shepard is – that's a pretty good one, too. Um, Just overall players-wise, that's my, that's my pick. It's pretty good. Uh, Scott and Jordan Evans, though, that's that's a good one, too. I don't know. I Hey, we've got plenty of good ones to choose from. And um, it looks like the future holds that uh, we're going to continue to have some to choose from. Kalmus. Um, Freeman. Freeman, yeah. Gavin Freeman's just starting to carve his way. And uh, obviously Hawkins coming in. Like, that's, you know, that's another one. Although his dad didn't spend a whole lot of time at Oklahoma, uh, if he turns into an unbelievable quarterback, well, guess what? You've been uh, pushed to the front of the line whenever it comes to father-son duos. Yeah, I'd love it if they found a way to get Steven Alexander's son, or one of them. I, I think they're both really good players, yeah. but Coop is the uh, oldest one right now. I think going into his senior year at Washington, got a lot of Power 5 offers. We'll see if OU makes that offer, but... That one's a, a possibility. And then Kiwan's got a son that's pretty good and got a, got a chance to be a guy that can that be at OU someday. Nice. So the the father-son duos are about to be seemingly more of a thing around here than previous years. Yeah, well, you've always got a steady supply. You know, there's, there's always going to be guys coming up. Um, I know – we always see Gerald McCoy's got his son out doing. Well, yes. I guess his son is asking him to go do some work yeah. and stuff. So maybe he'll be there one day. Yeah, should you should have a a, a constant supply of of um, you know former players and their kids starting to you know make their way 
through high school. Sean says Danny Bradley is vastly underappreciated, probably saved the Kings' job, and Mark was a good wide receiver. Yeah. I go Shepherds over Bradley's by a hair. That That is um, Mark Bradley. I mean, Mark Clayton was there at the same time. Brandon Jones mm-hmm. was there at the same time. If you think of Mark Bradley as option number three, golly, that was a good option number three to have at wide receiver. Yeah, He's incredibly a good fast. Incredibly athletic, um, yeah. He was he was a really good player, wide receiver, special teams returner, um, pump block units. I mean, all, all kinds of stuff. He was good. Gunny really says good I picked Jim and Seth Latrell from the four hundred five. Definitely the Shepherds. Uh, Keywan Jones and his sons maybe on there soon. Yeah, five hundred three. The Shepherds. South Dakota Sooner says the Evans. So we, we there's a lot of different ways you can go here. Yeah, that's hey. Maybe it's Gavin Freeman look has it. an incredible next three years, and he and his yeah. dad Jason are uh, near the top of the list. Who knows? The Heisman Trophy winner and his dad not much recognition. How about that? That's how good some of the duos are. Yeah, you would think that that would be. An automatic here, if, with the Heisman Trophy winner. But golly, there's some there's some good options here. And not only um, like Drake and Bob Stoops could be an option. Eh, no, I I, no. I it's not. I mean, it's father son. Obviously, Bob didn't play here, but he had enough of an impact at OU to where you could count that if you really wanted to. Now, I don't no. think this conversation needs it because there's so many other great options on the table, but. I believe, in fact, you cannot count it. Mm, why so? You just want to well, be difficult today. I think no. that's what it is. Well, you're opening an entire new can of worms if you're allowing uh, coaches. You started off uh, father-son duos as players. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, Bob Stoops coached here for a long time. I just threw it in there at the end to say that you could list it. Special exemption? But if well. you if you want to be difficult on this one, then whatever. I'll just go with Derek and Sterling Shepard. It would probably be my uh, answer regardless. Yeah. This is not a bad one. Not a bad one. There's about to be a uh, lot of, um, like, younger brother, older brother, uh, uh, that, that, that dynamic in here as well. So... Yeah, Peyton Bowen's little brother feels like he's an OU lean. Uh, you got Michael Hawkins Jr. His brother now it seems yeah. to be an OU lean. So McCullough. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Desan McCullough's younger brother is here now as a true freshman. So OU has uh, gotten into recruiting a kid, and I, I think it's great recruiting a kid where his younger brother is also a really good player. Or seemingly they have a, another connection on campus. Like I, I don't think that maybe they're purposely doing that. Maybe they are. I don't know. But it seems like every kid that we talk about, it's oh yeah, he has a girlfriend playing soccer here, or yeah, he has a dad that used to play here, or he has a sister that goes to OU. They've seemingly really found a way to work the connections. Well, not a bad I, idea. You know, that's one of the things that Venables has talked about a lot. Is he wants players here? that are there's a tie to the program more than just you know recruiting or nil they want they want players that have a deep vested interest in how well the program does right and uh, i think that's going to be something that you continue to see um you know guy 
you know, that's, I think that's why they're expanding the walk-on route is because you can you can pursue many more of those those options if you open up, you know, the walk-on program for more players. You can, you know, there because there's some guys that are man, we'd love to bring you on, but you just as of right now not quite there. Uh, we'd like to have you as a walk-on, and we think that you could develop into into a really good player. We just can't justify the scholarship today. Like, you know, whenever you expand the walk-on program that allows you um, the ability to do that. I think Corey Heineke's son, right, was, um, was going to go somewhere. Well, was his, his nephew? Okay, yeah, yeah nephew. which <laughs> I, I was looking at that one today. I guess his nephew was playing lacrosse at Ohio State, and That's now right. he's back here playing football. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think he was one of the top uh, lacrosse players in the country, right? Something like that? I have, I have no idea if Ohio State is good at lacrosse or not. Probably be something that I should know. No. But I don't know. No, you'll get a pass on that. Now, I expect you to know who was the leading rusher in the Big 12 in uh, you know 2002, but not Ohio State lacrosse. Who was the leading rusher in 2002? Cedric Benson would have had a chance at that. I think Quentin it was Griffin would have had a chance at that. It wouldn't like Brad Smith or Seneca Wallace, was it? I felt wouldn't it have been Chris Brown from Colorado? Chris Brown at Colorado. He was also splitting carries with Bobby Purify and Brian Calhoun at that time. But yeah, uh, I, I, might... I hey, which by the way, let me just say this: nice move by you there. You like that? You didn't hit Chris Brown, but you thought, you like hey, in order to save face yeah. a little bit, let me just name the entire Colorado yeah. roster in 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Good move. Uh, two, a few more here. Three guys from Ufala will always have the brothers title. That's from yeah. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the hottest take uh, maybe that you could make. Hey, uh, for OU football is that three brothers will be better than the, the Selmans. Good luck let, with that. Let me just say. I love the Selman brothers, as everyone else does. But, frankly, if someone were to be a better trio, I would welcome that, right? We could use it, right? If there's a better trio out there, come and test it out. Let's see what you got. Need a new place for a statue, but yeah. that's, that's fine. Yeah. Just tear yeah. down the corporate tailgating and put the uh, statue there. I don't think you have to eliminate the statue if, uh, if another trio comes in. They just get their own statue. No, I, yes, I th- put another statue somewhere. I'm just saying we got to find room for it. <laughs> right. Yes. All right, good stuff. Let's hit a quick timeout. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. We'll be back here at Newcastle Casino. Stream at home. Shop the latest Rift. And I know it's because you care. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Cavens Group bringing you this hour of The Rush. Check them out, cavensgroup.com, especially if you have an emergency repair. Cavens Group, they are on the call 24-7. They serve all of Oklahoma. They serve the North Texas area, the state of Arkansas. Cavensgroup.com for more information. Or just give them a call, 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. Uh, some Big 12 odds via Caesar Sportsbook has just been passed my way. Here's how it looks. Uh, Texas is the favorite at plus 200. I'm not shocked at that, are mm. you? No. Uh, OU right behind, though, at plus 220. 
Huh. Oh, okay. Kansas State plus 450. TCU plus 850. Baylor plus 1200. OSU plus 1200. Or, uh, uh, OSU plus 1600. Uh, my bad. Along with Texas Tech. UCF plus 2500. KU plus 4000. Iowa State plus 6000. BYU plus 6000. And then you have um, Houston all the way down at like 200 to 1. So. It's like OU and Texas with the best odds and then a pretty big gap between they and everyone else. Yeah. And it should probably be like that. I mean, that's that's how it should really be. The two teams that routinely recruit the best players should be the two teams at the top of the um, the pecking order when it comes to odds to win the conference, just like I'm sure Alabama and Georgia are – uh, the top two to win the SEC, and Ohio State and Michigan are the top two to win the, the Big Ten, and I don't know, Colorado and Utah to win the, uh, the Pac-12. Just kidding. Um, so, that I mean, that makes sense. I think the, like, the best bang for your buck, that's really the best argument uh, yeah. or the best discussion out of it. I – Baylor plus twelve hundred, maybe that might be a good little target. You want to bet well, on it? I'll tell you what. I would not make this wager, but there's a chance that you can get the best quarterback in the conference at plus four thousand. I saw a list today: best ten quarterbacks in college football, and Jalen Daniels was at number ten on the list. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think there's you know a really what I'm good saying. Sure. <laughs> like, it's re- now it you may not really have the best hard. of anything else, but you will right. be the best at the best or at the most important position. There's something to that. It would be really difficult to bring yourself to wager on. Kansas I would. To I win wouldn't feel conference. good. About, it, it would hit, and I don't think I'd still feel good about it. Actually, I would. I would cash it and brag to everyone. But yeah, there's, yeah. there's no way you could feel good about that one. But th- how rare is that, though? To possibly have the best quarterback in a conference at plus 4,000 to win the conference, uh, That's that doesn't happen very often. No. I wonder if that's uh, what the Big 12 preseason poll is going to look like. Texas picked to win it, OU second, K-State third, TCU four, Baylor five. Yeah. I think that's probably, well, there's so much tech hype right now. I think that's a pretty good gauge of what your top five preseasons are going to be. Um, I could see OU two or three in the Big 12 preseason poll. I don't think that they're going to be number one. I, I think that's going to be Texas. I'm saying I agree with that. That's just what I think it's going to be. Yeah, I don't think I don't think OU will be number one either. Um, you know, they other than other than just um, it's year two under a new coach. I. I don't. It's hard to really take a view, especially from the outside, unless you're there every single day. Uh, it's hard to take a view that we've necessarily improved that dramatically at any of the positions sure. and, on, and, on the and field. And that was kind of my question: is we just had a short conversation last week of like OSU might be the biggest question mark or mystery team in the entire Big Twelve because. They're not having a spring game. They've got so many questions. Like, we're not really going to see anything from them in spring or fall. The same questions we had today are going to be the same questions when they kick it off in September. Yeah. But what, like, with the availability that OU has in the spring game, 
Like, is there necessarily any big questions that can be answered about OU before we get to September? And the answer is probably well, not realistically, no. No, I don't think that – no, it's way too early to answer any question. Now, you can have uh, you can have some guys at some of the, the positions of interest have really big days and make you feel better or bad days and make you feel worse about some of those positions of interest. Offensive line, I think, is one. Wide receiver is one. I think um, I think edge is one. I think, obviously, D-line, linebacker positions of interest where you're just not, not really sure. I, I think I tight end, we don't have a whole lot of depth, but I think, for the most part, everyone feels pretty comfortable at tight end as you got Stogner there. Uh, he looks like a pro. Tight end's typically not going to be the position that really makes or breaks you. I, it can add some really good um, options to your passing game and can be a, a weapon in the blocking schemes of some of your running game, but you know typically doesn't really elevate your team unless you have just an extraordinary player there. So I think it falls pretty low on the pecking order, but I would say O-line, wide receiver, edge, D-line, linebacker are the real big question marks. And, yes, I think you can evaluate those in the spring game to see where we are, you know, through stage one of the year. But you can't have one with the other, most likely with spring game reactions. If it's the offensive line that plays well a week from Saturday, then, well, that's great. It's good to see, but it means the defensive line sucks is how that normally plays out. Yeah. I I know that's not how it necessarily has to be. I'm mostly just making a joke. Well, no, but there is a lot of truth to that. I mean, if, if, if we come back on the Monday after the spring game and are talking about how great the offensive line did, then, yeah, that means that they are exposing one of the weaknesses of our team right now on the defensive line. And I think it's not always, you know, just kind of straight across the board, but a lot of times, yeah, it's kind of indicative of where you sit. Back to those odds uh, from Caesars to win the Big 12. Grill boy, it's a good point. Um, he got the order off a little bit, but when we talk about OU's schedule this year, like based on the odds, OU avoids the team with the third highest odds, Kansas State. Yep. The team with the fifth highest odds, Baylor. Yeah. The team with the seventh highest odds, actually tied for sixth, uh, Texas Tech with OSU. Yeah. And Tech. you have the second highest odds. We just play uh, Texas and uh, Texas Christian, right? For the yeah, for the top teams. Y- yeah, out of the top, out of the top what five? Yes. Yep. Uh, again, we we got the good end of the of the bargain whenever it came to us in Texas and how the schedules still uh, broke down. I don't know how that happened. Maybe they admitted, like, yeah, where there was some selective officiating last year. We'll hook you up with the schedule. I I kid about that too, but it's it it surprises me. Oh, you got hooked up like that with the schedule. So who does Texas not play? Uh, Texas will not play. I don't think they play. They don't play OSU, right? I don't think they play OSU. Okay. I don't think they play Cincinnati. Uh, they do play BYU. What about from the from the current Big Twelve? Before you add the other teams in here, I'll pull it up. Um, because you know what I bet it is. It's probably 
who they um, who they agreed to play in these future non-conference games. Yeah, Texas doesn't play West Virginia. They don't play Oklahoma State. And I'm trying to find the other ones. Maybe, maybe that's Kansas. it on the old teams. No, no they, they, they do play, play Kansas. They the week yeah, four yeah. OU. Talked about that last week. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I I bet they play. I bet we play um, Baylor and Kansas State, future non-conference games, and Texas plays Oklahoma State and whoever their other one is West that they're Virginia. not playing. West Virginia. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. Have fun going out to Morgantown no while doubt. in the SEC. No doubt. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up, 651-3439. We'll wrap up our number one next here from Newcastle. This is your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. At Oklahoma Electric. And I know it's because you care. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is Matt Klaus with Valiance Bank. At Valiance, we strive to understand your goals and create customized banking solutions. As one of the last locally owned and operated banks in the Norman area, we provide the convenience you need. You don't have to come to us. We bring the bank to you. That includes direct deposit from your phone, free access to over 55,000 ATMs, bankers that come to your home or business, and more. Whether you're undertaking a new business venture, purchasing a home, or simply want more convenience, Valiance Bank is here for you. Visit valiance.bank or stop by our Norman location. It is the Rush on the Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Some of you are uh, making the point on the text line that Texas doesn't have to leave the state of Texas this year outside of the Alabama game. They actually have to for one more game. They go to uh, Iowa State in mid-November. But, yeah, outside that, outside of a trip to Tuscaloosa and a trip to Iowa State, they don't leave the state of Texas the entire year. They'll play at Houston. They'll play at TCU. They'll play at Baylor. Um, Maybe that's something that's not as big of a deal as some would like to make it out to be. Uh, I I still think, regardless, their schedule is much more difficult than OU's. Oh, yeah. It it is much more difficult. I I mean, I think that that probably is something that's nice, and, you know, maybe that's part of it. You know, like, okay, we'll give you all these games in the state of Texas, but, you know, uh, in the future, your future non-conference, you're going to have to go to West Virginia. I don't don't know. I don't know if that's the case. That's drawing the short straw on that deal if that's really in an agreement. Well, they remember they went to was it Maryland not too long ago? Well, they got beat by in yeah. that game, but yeah, I think they played at uh, uh, in Landover where the uh, Commanders play. But yeah, same thing. Yeah, essentially. So, I, I don't know, and I don't know that that's necessarily the deal. I just know that at one point that was thrown around quite a bit that future non-conference games against current Big Twelve members is one of the things that would get them out of the the deal early. So. I don't know that anything of that has actually been announced, but seems to stand to reason. Greg from Lawton, the new Big 12 commission is not stupid. OU traditionally represents his best chance to get a playoff team. Your mark is a savvy businessman and should always do what's best for the conference. Like it or don't like it, OU brings in the money. This is his last year to milk that cow. Yeah. Yeah. Would OU fans boo him if they were ever at a game where he got introduced? Your mark? No, I think your mark is 
should be cheered by OU fans. I oh, should. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that they should have a, necessarily a reason to boo him, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't. Right. Yeah. Just, I mean, anyone that happens to be wearing the Big 12 shirt, yeah, probably be booed. But, man, he's the one that helped negotiate the deal to get us out early. So, yeah, I don't know. All right, quick timeout. Hour number two, The Rush. Coming up next here from Newcastle Casino. Stay with us. 1400 AM, KREF, Norman, Moore, Oklahoma City, and 99.3 FM, K257DA, The Ref Sports Radio Network.